Good morning, everybody. Just have a moment of quietness so the people who haven't heard me can hear me. <laughs> we are so glad you're all here. This is Catch the Fire. I'm coming. Uh, this is Catch the Fire Myrtle Beach. And uh, I think almost all of you know I'm Mark, the pastor. And the other pastor, Jane, is not here this weekend, but she'll be back tomorrow. She's up in Toronto with our son and his fiancée celebrating his birthday. So uh, they're having a good time, and uh, uh, we are going to have a good time here this morning as well. Those of you who are visiting, you are coming in in the middle of the Father Heart A School, which is always a fantastic time where we get to know deeper in our hearts how much our Heavenly Father loves us. Every one of us can do with moving further into that revelation. Even Andy Glover, who's going to be speaking this morning, and uh, he's probably deeper in this revelation than all of us, but he keeps going deeper, and it's beautiful and wonderful, and we love having you here, Andy. You can, yeah, I know. Also with Andy is the amazing Shannon Smith, who is the most childlike adult I've ever met because of the Father's love operating in her. And I want to be like Shannon if I decide to grow up, but I haven't, I'm not sure whether I will or not yet. So, uh, we, just a couple of practical things before we begin, and then we're going to have one worship song and hand over to Andy to do a, a, a good, solid teaching. So I warned our folk this is going to be different this Sunday from, well, I said from normal, but then I realized that there is no normal with Catch the Fire Myrtle Beach. But it's going to be different from what we've had in, a few, in the last few weeks, at least. So, but I want you to know that you are free to experience God in whatever way God wants you to experience him this morning. Okay, so if you feel like you need to lay down or dance or whatever, do that. Just try to do it in a way that doesn't stop other people receiving from God in the way they want to receive from God. Okay? Uh, second practical thing, if you are a school student, lunch is included in the school, and it'll be served for you in a carry-out variety in the kitchen. Okay, so come find me in the kitchen after the meeting, whatever time that is, and uh, we will give you your lunch, okay? And so uh, let me say that again for uh, the, the, the school students who are joining us. Your lunch at the end of the meeting will be in the kitchen, and come and find me there, okay? Also, we won't be stopping during the meeting to receive an offering or do announcements and things. Next week, uh, we will meet here again as usual at 10 o'clock for prayer, 10.30 for the meeting. And so you're very welcome to come and join us for that if you live locally or if you're still here. Uh, I don't know how fast the school students are going home, but if you're still here next Sunday, you're very welcome to join us. Okay. So I'm going to pass the baskets for us to receive our tithes and offerings for this morning. Uh, before I do that, though, let me just tell you that uh, FIRE is an acronym, and so this is what we live for here as a church family. We value the Father's love, of course, which is why we host these A-schools. We also value intimacy with God, and that's our prayer for you this morning, that you will experience a deeper level of intimacy with God than you've done already. That may be... Um, much deeper. That's great. Uh, then we also value restoring, redeeming, and releasing. 
So God has got something for you to receive this morning that will restore his design in you and will uh, redeem whatever is in the past and release you into what's ahead. And then we also va uh, value equipping and empowering, uh, which is why we want to give a lot of time to Andy's teaching this morning because that will not only equip us and empower us to be children of God, but also that anointing of the Father's heart is going to release us further into being his kids okay so for those who are bringing their tithes the church family please don't bring your tithe if you belong to another church but if you want to make an offering you're welcome to uh, if you're making a check out it's catch the fire myrtle beach um, if you want to give with uh, text giving you can do that as well you just text a dollar amount to eight four three two one eight four three two one and if you're giving good old cash you may need an envelope if you want to receipt. There are envelopes in the basket. So uh, I'll just pass these around. Just pass them from person to person for me. And uh, we'll uh, just collect those up at the back. And then why don't we all stand together? Uh, Ira's got the worship song prepared. Ira and Corey going to lead us uh, to worship. And then after that, we'll hand over to Andy and we'll enjoy the Father together. Okay, welcome. Good morning. I've been having a very good time this past these past few days, just listening, uh, receiving. And one verse that just keeps running in my head over and over again is John 14, 18. And I love what different translations say is, I will not leave you fatherless, I will not leave you as orphans. And I trace that word orphans back to Exodus 22 where it says, you are not to mistreat any widow or orphan. If you do mistreat them, they'll, leave, they'll certainly cry out to me, and I'll immediately hear their cry. So that's a promise that the Father hears us. And I was looking at that word, and it comes from an unused root word that means to be lonely. And I just hear the Father saying, loneliness doesn't exist with me doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in our relationship with him. So Lord, we thank you that you have not left us as orphans. You have not left us fatherless. You have not left us lonely. But you are with us together and we are in you and you are in us. Thank you, Lord.
thank you just for your amazing love. Wow. And you may be seated. You know, what's amazing about that song is that when I was first coming into the Father's love back in 05 and 06, I would play that song over and over again and just sit there crying. It had a huge impact on me. I think it was written by Hillsongs, wasn't it? Oh, good morning. So I want, I guess I'm the one that should be told welcome, but I also get to welcome everybody here today. You know, we've been having a, a school here. We started the A school on Thursday evening. And we went all day Friday, all day yesterday. And we're back to all day tomorrow and all day Tuesday. And we finish up Wednesday lunchtime. We've been having a, a really, really good time. Um, we, we, we love doing these A schools. We, we have the privilege of doing them all around the world and just seeing people's lives tremendously impacted. Um, before I start, I actually went to look for a bottle of water, but I came back with no bottle, came back empty. So I could really use the water. Thank you so much, Roger. I appreciate it. Um, so it's great to be back here. Good to be back in good old Myrtle, Myrtle Beach. And um, since, we, since we were last here, we've actually moved back out to the West Coast. Some of you might think that's a strange thing to do. Um, but because we've got family there, and California really was our American home, it, for us it's like going home. So we, we don't worry so much about political stuff. Not that we agree with it, you understand, but we just, you know, our, our perspective's perhaps a little bit different. Um, <laughs> Shannon Boo Boo. <laughs> um, I've been having something stirring on my heart for quite a while. I'm going to raise this up. It came up. It came up, wasn't it? Wow. Um, there's been something stirring on my heart the last, it's almost a year now. And I want to, I want to share this with you in relation to another topic I also often share on A schools, and it's about the Holy Spirit. And I think what I've seen and in my experience, we've, we've come to certain conclusions about the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in the believers' lives. And there is no question at all the, the sense of power and authority that comes into a believer's heart when they are baptized or filled. Thank you so much, Roger. Nice Englishman for you. Don't worry, we're not taking over. Yeah. Well, well I, you know, I don't want to go into it, but... It, it, <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody said to me, what do I do on Independence Day? I said, I celebrate. They said, why do you celebrate? I said, because it was the English versus the English. 
So I love America. We love America. America's become our home. America has been so incredibly kind to us. So incredibly, incredibly kind. And I'm one of those kind of strange people. I left my hometown um, in 1985, almost 40 years ago. And it, it's like I've, I've never really had favor in my hometown. To go back to my hometown and I'm just John's son, which is okay, which is completely okay with me. So I understand when Jesus says a prophet, a prophet is without honor except in his, his, his hometown. So I've, I've really experienced that. Sometimes it's been frustrating, but I've, I've settled that now in my heart. The, the favor I have in England, in Britain, is not in my hometown. But I have a wonderful father, I have a wonderful home, and I have wonderful origins back there in the motherland. Okay, let me not get distracted on all these, all these peculiarities. Let me really get, get down to the meat of the issue. So we, we, we have all these different perspectives about the Holy Spirit. Um, it's very common to find that, you know, you've got to have the Holy Spirit in order to have power in your heart and to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, to have anointing, etc., etc. And people are very familiar with terms like the power of God operating through a believer's life. And none of those I have a problem with. They're completely fine. I have a problem with none of this. But one of the things that I want to speak into just very briefly is that God is not power, but God is love. God is love. And one thing that we've come to see and to understand is that when his love moves, when his love works, when his love operates, that is a, um, it can be called a power encounter. We are being impacted in a very powerful way by the love of God. But often when we describe those circumstances or situations, what we've, what we've often failed to do is realize in, in those transactions, in those encounters, that this really is the love of God that is working. Because God is love. God doesn't choose, you know, he gets up on a Sunday morning and says, oh, I feel like being a loving father today. There is no choice in the heart of God but to love. That's not a decision that God makes. The very essence of God, the very essence of who he is, is love. And when we, when we receive him, his substance, the very substance of God into our lives, into our hearts, that, that is a love deposit, a love encounter, call it what you will, in our hearts, in a very powerful and very meaningful way. So I want to ask you a question one of those kind of rhetorical questions. I don't want you to answer it, but I just want you to consider it. If you want to write it down, you, you can write it down. But 
I just want to throw this question out to you to ask you just to consider what is the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer? What is the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer? If I went around the room right now, I know a lot of you have been going to church for many, many years and had all sorts of great experiences. I'm sure you would come up with pretty good answers to that question. Answers that are a lot to do with your experience, what you've received, what you've heard, what's happened in, in your life. You come up with very, very, very good answers to that question. But I just want to throw that question out to you and just keep it there. Just hold that question in your heart. And I want to make this statement. Talk about this a little bit. Before I, t I tell you this, let me relate to you a story. This, this journey for me started this journey in terms of this message, what I'm, I'm speaking to you, actually started in May last year and we were doing an A school and when we were doing this A school it's a friend of mine on, on the school and this guy loves the Holy Spirit he loves the power of the Holy Spirit and as I am looking at this guy this, this word, this flash thought actually came across my mind and the thought was this when Paul went to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19 and the believers said to him that we've received the baptism of John but not received the baptism of Jesus and proceeded to lay hands upon them and the Holy Spirit fell upon them that thought came through my mind of those scriptures and then this word came to me and the word was this the Holy Spirit is the Father's love. I'll say that again over this side of the room, okay? The Holy Spirit is the Father's love. Any expression of a single member of the Godhead expresses the full personality and nature of the whole Godhead. So in other words, when we see Jesus, we're seeing the Father and the Holy Spirit. When we're encountering the Holy Spirit, we're experiencing an expression of what God the Father's like and what God the Son is like. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the exact radiance of God, the image of God. In him, it says, dwelt the very fullness of the deity in Jesus. The fullness of the deity. So any expression of a single member of the Godhead in our lives expresses the full personality and nature of the whole Godhead. The Holy Spirit is called the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is called the promise of the Father. And as I was, I was, you know, 
this thought came to me and this concept came to me and I'm thinking, wow, that's true. Of course it's true, you know, God, God has actually just spoken it. Of, of course it's true. It's like, you know, why would I even question it? It's true, you know, it's absolutely true. And I'm with another friend. I've got a, this really good friend in Auburn, Alabama. I go to Alabama once a year, the first weekend of December every year. I go there and I do a weekend with my friend. He's, he's been very successful in business, but he just so, so much into a couple of these kind of places where drug addicts go, people that have come out of jail that are struggling with life. And he works with a, a center that is for men and a center that is for women. And we go there every year to just pour the revelation of the Father's love into these two places. We have a great time. But this guy studies the Bible. This guy opens the Bible up. He gets his lexicon up. He gets the Greek of the Aramaic, of the Hebrew, and everything else. And he really looks at it. And he's been really impacted by the love of the Father. And when we were there last year, this was just a few months after this, this other instance, we were talking about coming home of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came home, and you know in verse 20 that what happened, the father sees the son, runs to the son, and embraces him. And a word is used there, and the word that is used there is that he fell upon the neck and kissed him. That word fell upon means to embrace. Means to embrace. So the picture that, that Jesus is relating in this parable is that the father fell upon and embraced the son as the son was welcomed home. Well, I thought that was great. And we preach that in Father Heart Ministries. We're going this week and have a time of receiving what we call the father's embrace. Not a hug, okay, or a high five, or a fist pump, but people are going to receive there's an impartation the father's love can be passed from one to the other we understand this idea of impartation and so we embrace people and we believe there is an impartation of the love of the father which is a beautiful thing but the important thing was in my discussion with my very good friend was this word that he used or this word that is used there the word to fell upon and as we started to talk about this, what unfolded in our discussion was that this word, to fall upon or to embrace, is the same Greek word that is used in Acts of the Apostles in relation to the Holy Spirit coming upon people. And three times in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 8 and verse 16, I'll, I'll read the verse to you so you're not I'm not a heretic what's happening to this Acts chapter 8 verse 16 for as yet he had fallen upon none of them he had not only sorry they had only be baptized in the name of Jesus then they laid hands upon them and they receive the Holy Spirit. So the, the idea that is being conveyed there, not the idea, the, 
the concept that's being conveyed there is this, is that the Holy Spirit comes upon you, but as the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it's the same idea as being embraced. As being embraced. Wow. Well, I'm going to say, you know, we're actually talking about this and my, my eyes are lighting up. You know, it's like, I think I've won the lotto. You know, I think I'm, I'm on a winner here. Because for a long time, for a very, very long time, I had this idea when I came into this revelation of love from the Father, I'm, I'm, I'm being moved to this point where I'm, I, I'm realizing and know that the Father loves me. It's the love of the Father. And in that process, I didn't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. I don't know how the Holy Spirit worked in this or related to this. So it's kind of, well, I'll leave all this stuff about the Holy Spirit to one side, not understanding or really knowing what was happening because I'm, I'm here busy receiving the love of the Father, which is a wonderful thing. But over a process of time, what has actually happened is that it's kind of they've merged together. They've, they've joined together. Like what I've received from the Father as his love has been the outpouring and the embracing and the falling into my heart of the Holy Spirit. See, you know, when we are impacted by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean to say that we're going to have a revelation of love. say something even more I go another step further a lot of times what he's preached in relation to the Holy Spirit is receiving gift or gifts not against them but it's gifts or gifts and so when that is preached guess where our faith is and gifts or gifts that's what our expectation is that's what's been taught to us and it's right, when the Holy Spirit landed in Acts 2, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so that's where our faith has been. That's where our expectation has actually been. So here in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, this is Paul, not, sorry, not Paul, Peter, at the house of Cornelius. He was with the Cornelii. And when he's with the Cornelii, he says, while Peter was still speaking his words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. That word fell is the word embrace. Is that word brace? That he enveloped that he embraced them. One expression from one member of the Godhead is an equal expression from all three members of the Godhead. All three members of the Godhead. And as well, in Acts 11, verse 15, as they began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them 
as upon us at the beginning. Same word. Same word that Jesus used when Jesus relates the father embracing the prodigal son when he came home is used directly here. This is the third example in Acts of the Apostles in relation to the Holy Spirit actually coming upon them. Well, I just wanted to go a little bit deeper. I wanted to I wanted to see this to a greater degree. Because what the Father is doing, he is pouring out his love and he's revealing who he is. That's why we call it the revelation of the Father's love. Well, in my meditation and contemplation around this, I was, I was drawn back to John's Gospel. As I'm taken back to John's Gospel, I realize that what we call the paraclete, which is John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus then talks about the Holy Spirit. And one word that is very commonly used in the context of Jesus' teaching about the Holy Spirit is the word helper. I will give you another helper who will be with you forever. And Jesus uses that word, that is actually the word, Greek word, parakletos, which is translated in most translations as helper. But it can also be translated, quite easily translated, as advocate, counselor, and guess what? Comforter. And it's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm realizing, and I've, I've seen this for years, I've known this for years that that, that word's used. But I, I realize here, right in the context of Jesus talking about, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. Give you my spirit, the spirit of the Father. That spirit of the Father is going to come and live upon you. As that spirit of the Father comes to live upon you and live in you, guess what? He's going to be your helper, counselor, advocate, and comforter. And that's what the Father does. The Father comforts. Father comforts us. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Now, if our preoccupation on the Holy Spirit is simply gift or simply power or simply anointing, if, if that's all, if, if that's our limited concept of the Holy Spirit and the operation of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer, we're actually missing something. We're actually missing something that is so huge. For one, we're missing the very nature of God who's come to dwell within us because God is love. God doesn't choose to love. God is love. So number one, we're missing the very nature of God living within us. But when, when he puts his nature inside of us, he reveals his nature to us. So his nature becomes part of us. So love comes to us, point one. Great. Love comes to us, but
But in that process, as love comes to us, His nature is revealed to us, is shown to us. So it's not just like, oh yeah, God is love, great. And we receive the Holy Spirit. But there's going to come a point in our walk with God when we're going to comprehend and know that, that His nature is now is starting to walk out of our life. I am not trying... I am not trying to manipulate his nature. And you, you, you find that. You find, I'm going to say, when you look at Galatians 5.22 and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, when you find the fruits of the Holy Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience. The first important thing to do when we look at that passage is that Paul here says, and the fruit. He says, the fruit. Not plural, singular. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. Patience, joy, long suffering goes into the other eight after saying love. Okay. So what we've been very used to is, is taking one of these attributes or characteristics of, of his nature and trying to produce that. We, you know, we try, you know, often in marriages we, we say to one another, could you try to be more patient? Could you perhaps be a little more patient? What do you mean I am patient? <laughs> or could you try and be a little more peaceful? I used to have, a, I used to have the, the, this kind of anxiety come on me any time I went through airport security. It was like especially when I didn't have fast track or global entry or something like that. I was in a foreign country and I had to line up with everybody. And then, then what really upset me or really got to me was that in some of these countries, I won't name the country, um, but then there's a sign there that says, if you don't want a woman to pat you down, please tell us. Well, I forgot to read that sign. And all of a sudden I'm going through, it's beeping, and this girl's coming up and is about to pat me down. I'm thinking, whoa, my anxiety went, you know, way up, way up here, you know. And I'm English, you know, I don't want people just to touch me like that. <laughs> but my, my, my anxiety would just go way up. Um, now, nowadays, it's, it's really changed a whole bunch. It's really changed a whole bunch. When I go through, I'm, I'm able to, the anxiety level's gone way, way down. But I used to say to myself, I've got to be peaceful. I've got to be peaceful. And just the way you're saying it, just the way you're praying it, there's absolutely no peace. No, God, give us peace. God, we want peace. We want peace. We need peace. And there's absolutely no peace. Does anybody identify with me? You know what I mean? It's like, God, give me patience and give it to me now. Like, that, that's going to resolve, that's going to resolve the problem. So we have, we have this inbuilt notion within us that, that we can produce these characteristics in our life. And the, the penny hasn't quite dropped that God is patient. Love is patient. Have we read that somewhere? It, <laughs> Have you read it somewhere? Love is patient. And think, wow. 
Love is peaceful. More of this love of the Father that's really gone deeper into my heart, the more peaceful I've become. This, this is not what I was like 20 years ago. Remember me. <laughs> and so when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, we, I don't think we've comprehended the primary purpose of why he came to the very core of our being. Talk about this on our B schools, but one thing that I spend a lot of time talking on is that do you realize that love can actually change us? Love changes us. That doesn't negate responsibility, but love changes us. Let's turn to Luke chapter 3. Let's look at... Let me just... Luke chapter 3, but I want to make this statement. One blockage to receiving love is the belief that the Holy Spirit was simply sent for power. One blockage to receiving love is the belief that the Holy Spirit was simply sent Luke chapter 3, verse 21. We see something here, Jesus. Something takes place in the, in the life of Jesus right here. This is the, the baptism of Jesus. Something so significant happens in his life. That's hugely, even though this is an experience, an event, it is hugely important for us in terms of our understanding and our belief. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. The heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. So picture that. Picture this event. Jesus is baptized. And as Jesus is coming out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes upon him in bodily form like a dove. And as he comes on him in bodily form like a dove, then the Father speaks. And what, the, and what the Father says then is hugely important. Hugely, hugely, hugely important. You are my beloved Son. In you, I am well pleased. My, my number one point is this troubled me because why, why is the Father 
affirming him, and he's done nothing. He's done no work. He's not even cast out a demon. He's not walked in any water, multiplied no bread or fish. No, Lazarus hasn't raised from the dead. Nothing has happened. Nothing at all has happened. At the first words, the Father speaks to the Son when the Holy Spirit comes, is you are my beloved Son, Son, in you I am well pleased. In you I am well pleased. He doesn't say you are my beloved preacher. You are my beloved preacher. You are my beloved super apostle. You're a super apostle. You're my beloved super apostle. You're, you're my high apostle of faith. Or evangelist. Or teacher. Nothing is spoken to Jesus here by the Father in relation to what he's going to do. Hello, church. Nothing is said to Jesus by the Father in relation to what Jesus is going to do in terms of ministry. It's all in relation to who he is in terms of his relationship with the Father. When the Holy Spirit comes, what he said is all to do with who he is in relation to his relationship with the Father. He was about to preach, heal, deliver, perform miracles, do all this. Just incredible. John says we don't have enough paper to write all these things down. But what's recorded here is that the Father's saying, you are my beloved son. And guess what, my friends? People, many people don't bring this out. But what's hugely important here is that these words are spoken audibly. Father speaks audibly. It's not just Jesus that's hearing this. It's a throng of people that are standing on the banks of the Jordan watching what is actually taking place. The Father says, you are my beloved son. Very intimate, very personal. To the very core of the heart I've heard those words as well. I didn't know what sonship was. I thought sonship had everything to do with performance. Everything to do with doing. And I was shocked when I discovered that we can receive the Father's love. There's no prerequisite in terms of how well we're going to perform in relation to how much love is going to pour into our heart. Because his love is limitless and there are no bounds or jurisdiction in relation to our behavior, how gifted we are or what we can do or what we can't do. He loves us unconditionally. Jesus goes off then to the wilderness. Anybody been to the wilderness? You have, eh? 
we've got wilderness out in California. It's called Death Valley. I said to someone once, what is Death Valley like? He said, why don't you go and find out? <laughs> I thought, no thanks. <laughs> but we've driven through it, driven by it. Jesus goes up into the wilderness. And the, en the enemy comes to him. The enemy comes to him, says to him, if you are the son of God, take these stones and make it into delicious bread. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Let's talk about spiritual warfare for just a moment. Let's talk about spiritual warfare. Let's just talk about why the enemy attacks us. Enemies attacking me. <laughs> you know, you hear that. And I, I know what that's like. I know what, I understand what spiritual warfare is. Believe me, I've lived in Africa. And a lot of the demons in America are the ones that couldn't make it in Africa. Just joking. So I know what, believe me, I know what spiritual warfare is. I've seen witchcraft firsthand. I've seen juju firsthand. I've, I've seen it. I've lived there. I've worked in Africa for many, many, many years. It doesn't, it doesn't worry me. I'm not going to go and attack it or deal with it. I'm going to walk with the Father. Let's talk about and the enemy attacks us. Enemy comes at us. Perhaps we get sick. Perhaps we lose a job. Perhaps a marriage goes pear-shaped. We have an issue with our kids. Finances dry up. Something else happens. Things like this. And we take those instances and we see them for what they are and many times when we see them for what they are we're just looking at the surface i.e. I'm not well i.e. I've got no money i.e. the relationship is bad you know various circumstances that go on in our lives by the very fact that we're living in a broken world they cut they come to us and we see them just on the surface well you know our finances are going to be attacked so we you know we come against the spirit of mammon or the spirit of lack or the spirit of poverty and we you know we start we start calling it in and what what have you because we think that it, we you know we've got to you know we've got to counteract this well to you know there's a sense in which that that is true but well, one of the things that I've discovered Every attack, if you like, that the enemy puts at us and before us and into our lives has a primary purpose. The primary purpose of the enemy's work towards us is to keep you and I away from sonship. 
away from sonship. Your, your health is not the issue. It's the finances are not the issue. The, the um, um, job is not the issue. The relationship is not the issue. The primary purpose of the work of the enemy in the believer's life is to keep you away from sonship. Because the enemy knows when you start walking with God as your father, as a son, he's in trouble. He's in trouble in your life because it's the father now who's is going to be the father and you're going to walk in sonship. Recently, I'm going to say at the end of last year, we went through some horrible financial experiences. Really horrible. Really, really tough. I don't need to explain the details of those to you, but I can tell you this, that we came out of those realizing what something that the Father was actually doing in, in our hearts, in my heart, it's just to have a, a deeper revelation of his, him being the very core and foundation of my life and walking in sonship. Somebody gave us a dream in, in, in relation to that. Are you with me? So when, when the enemy comes to Jesus and says to him, if you are the son of God, you can make these stones to become bread. The enemy was actually right. Jesus could have at any moment spoken to that mountain and made it into the best bakery that you and I have ever seen. Jesus had that divine power available to him. But he decided to lay it down, as Philippians says. He put it literally put it to one side now i'm not going to use that to fulfill the need that i have as a man i'm going to rely on and walk with the father i'm going to rely on i'm going to actually walk with the father and walk with the father through this the enemy comes right at his sonship he's going right for his sonship but if he can somehow dismantle that sonship or break down that sonship or, or affect that sonship, that was going to be a major victory for him. The last temptation, the last temptation, Jesus is taken to the highest mountain by Satan. Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, Jesus, all you've got to do is bow down and worship me, then all this is yours. Well, all that was Jesus anyhow. So what was he? It's like, come on, man. <laughs> Have you not read the memo? <laughs> and you start to see and realize in the temptations and in the baptism of Jesus that the core issue in the heart of Jesus was sonship. And that transaction of the Holy Spirit coming into the heart of Jesus was affirmed by the Father saying, you're my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. But then we get to the book of Acts. And it's a wonderful thing that happens on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully came, they were all together in one place. There suddenly came a sound of heaven as of a rushing wind 
and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues and a fire, <clears throat> and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And this is, this is God coming to the church. This is the birth of the church right here. Right here. As they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. A number of years later, after the persecution happened in Jerusalem, there's a man his name was Saul, who was a zealot, was a religious zealot, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Knew the law, knew it down to the last, you know, dot. And he's, he's holding the coats of the people that were throwing stones at Stephen when Stephen was being martyred. First martyr in in the, the era of the church. Persecution broke out. This man Saul gets on his horse and drives goes up to Damascus. When he's on the road to Damascus, he gets knocked off his horse. Meets Jesus, completely meets Jesus, ends up being blind for a number of days. Somebody then prays for him and he goes off into Saudi Arabia. That's where I've just been, Saudi Arabia. I went, Paul went, Saudi Arabia. It was great. Reach. Love it. Quiet in here. I'm safe. Didn't have my arm chopped off or anything. No, I'm, everything's working. More or less. <laughs> and after three years, he comes back goes back to Jerusalem, meets with John and Peter and the other and James and the other apostles. And I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure, that in their ensuing conversations, they talked about the day of Pentecost. Paul was not there, but I'm sure they talked about the day of Pentecost and what had happened as a consequence of the day of Pentecost. And Paul goes up to Antioch, meets with Barnabas, and starts his missionary journeys, his, three, his first of three missionary journeys that Paul has. And then he writes to the church in Rome. And when he writes to the church at Rome, he encapsulates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we find in Acts chapter 2 in one simple little verse. One simple little verse. This, you understand, is Paul's definition of Pentecost. And this is what he says. In Romans 5 verse 5, he says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That is a simple, profound, succinct definition of the Holy Spirit coming into the heart of the believers. Paul says God has poured out the love of God into our hearts. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Occasionally I've just got to let a bit of steam off. Isn't that beautiful? But as Paul, as Paul is processing and as Paul is spending time thinking about this and what have you, Paul goes a little bit deeper. A little bit deeper. In other words, he puts a, a little bit of meat on Romans 5.5. 5. And there's two verses in the New Testament that I believe fully, fully, fully describe the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer. Firstly, Romans chapter 8. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. For as many of you are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You like that? Many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And Paul says this. We did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. We did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. I'm using the NIV translation for this particular verse, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But we received a spirit of sonship by whom we cry out, Abba Father. Wow. So here, what Paul says is that the Holy Spirit, listen to me, my friends, very clearly, open your heart. Some of you are too focused in your mind. Open your heart. What Paul is saying here is that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. But it, it doesn't negate all the other things, the gifts, the anointings, the talents, everything. It doesn't negate all that. He's not throwing all that out. But, but Paul is coming over here. This is the primary purpose. The primary purpose because he is, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. one of the Holy Spirit is the Father's love. And one of the Holy Spirit is the Father's love. So it's not, it's not like for, for, for some of you here that think, well, what, what is this Father's love? I've, I've not received it. I don't know it. I haven't encountered it. Where is it? It's, and they have this idea that it's over there somewhere or over there somewhere in another town or in another city. Let me tell you, if, if the Holy Spirit is living within you, the Father's love is right there. What, what, what happens, what's, what's really got to happen in our heart is that we start to recognize it and experience it as the love of the, Him as the love of the Father. That's the difference. It's here, when, 
when, when, when I started to have the revelation that God, that revelation of the Father, it wasn't like the revelation of the Father came into my room. No, something opened up in my heart that was already there that I apprehended, saw, and received. Paul says, Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. A lot of you have this word in there, the word adoption. That word adoption means son, the Greek word there is son placing, putting a son in place. In other words, it came from the idea of a Roman um, family, a businessman having many sons and one of the sons is, is, is given the position to take on the father's business. And that idea, is, that idea is called son placing. But Paul uses it here in, in this context to say, listen, what, what, what's happening here is, is that now something is happening in our heart and we're fully apprehending the reality that we are now sons. We've been brought home. There was never a moment when the prodigal son left that house. There was never a moment when that prodigal left that house. In, in regards to the father's attitude towards that son, as far as the father was still concerned, that was his son. I, we, all of us have challenges with our children. and Perhaps your children aren't old enough to know where the challenges are going to come from. You, you think it's just, you know, the child's young. But when, believe me, when the ch children become teenagers, the, you know, the, the battleground changes. <laughs> you understand what I mean? And, w w you know, one of, our, one of our sons gave us the runabout. It was very, very difficult. Got in trouble. He ended up in court. I remember once I went out to pick him up in central California. We were living in Southern California, and he said, after he'd been released from jail, he said, the last person in the world I ever expected to find outside the jailhouse was you. They just hugged him, sat in the car, shoes on his feet, trousers and a sh dirty shirt. He thought it was the greatest thing that his dad could come. The funniest thing for him on that trip home was that the police stopped me for speeding. But this is the funny thing, because he gets nervous. He gets nervous because he's just been let out of jail, and I'm in the car with him. You know, is, is this a felon? Who is this? You know, in the car with me. And I, I actually rented the car on a one-way car rental, and in that that time, I actually used my British license. I had a California license. I'm thinking, and I, I used it on the car rental, my British license. So I gave the British license to the the officer, and of course. My, my accent matches my license, which was great. And my, my son thought it was the funniest thing, but the officer goes up and says, when are you going to leave the country? I said, well, in fact, I'm leaving in two days' time. Leaving, and I was leaving the country in two days' time. I was going on a trip. I didn't tell him that I was going to come back again. <laughs> he said, when are you leaving? I said, this is when I'm leaving. <laughs> I did. And he said, well, sir, I'm not going to give you a ticket this time. You know, you've got a British license. You have to be careful about driving on these roads. And Joseph thought it was the funniest thing that I could get off a ticket. And he had to spend three days in jail. But it was just one of those 
one of those very, very funny things that happened. My point about this is this. So when he was in such a difficult place, he was horrible towards us. Really, really horrible. He did some crazy, 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 crazy things. I'll tell you stories. There's probably stories that he won't even tell me, which I'm not sure I even want to know the stories. It'll make my hair curl. Ha <laughs> oh. ha. There was never a moment, there was never a moment when I stopped loving him. I couldn't, I couldn't stop loving him. No matter what he did, no matter how bad it was, how serious it was, how offensive it was, how outrageously wrong it was, I stopped loving him. There was never a moment when I stop loving him. You know, the Father showed me something through that, that it's the same with us. No matter what we've done, there's nothing that's going to turn him off from loving us. He can't help but love us. Hear me? can't help it. But it's definitely deliberate by him in loving us because he is love. So the prodigal son, the father waiting for the prodigal son, it's it, no wonder because there was never a moment in that father's heart when that son was not his. If, if we're not his, could you come and tell me? Because I can show you that you, you are his. You might not be back with him. You might be in a rough place. You might be away from him. You may be lost, but you're still his. God our real father. So this is it here in Romans 8 verse 15. For we did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry out, Abba, Father. Well, Paul, in fact, Romans 8 15 is a repeat of what Paul says in Galatians 4 verse 6. Because Galatians 4 verse 6 was written before Romans 8 verse 15. Is that correct, Mark? <laughs> Galatians was one of the first books to be written. First letters that Paul wrote. Listen to what Paul says, and we're going to, those of you on the A school, we're going to spend a lot of time on this tomorrow. And because you are sons, because you are sons, comma, God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. So what is the spirit of his son? Is that the Holy Spirit? The spirit of his son, is that the Holy Spirit? Yes, it is. The spirit of the father, the spirit of his son, is the Holy Spirit. He has sent the spirit of his son into our heart, and what is the reaction in our hearts to that? We comprehend love, encounter love, and our response to that is Abba. Father. Father. You are my Father. 
You are my father. That is the response to the reality of the spirit of his son coming into our hearts. Paul says later, you've not received spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry. By him we cry. By him we cry. Worship is a response. There's a lot more going on in our hearts than we often see. There's a lot happening. There's a lot stirring going on. There's a lot of working of the Holy Spirit and His life to our hearts. One of the primary reasons why I really felt I wanted to share this this morning Where God has taken us all, wherever we're at, is into a deeper revelation that God is our Father. And what I've communicated with you this morning is really the essence of that process. This is it. This is really how it works. The Holy Spirit is the love of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of of sonship. The spirit of sonship actually in when we comprehend that, when we get hold of that, there is a natural response back to the Father that says, Abba. Abba. So like the prodigal coming home, Father falling upon him upon him and embraced him is happening when the Holy Spirit is coming upon you and I is the very same thing it's the very same thing he's falling and he's embracing us he's gathering us up if you like he's bringing us together he's holding us that's what he's doing so what I'd like to do in closing could we do that song again that'd be okay I just like to just pray. I like this song to be done again. I, I really like this song. It's a nice song. I just want you to put your hands on your heart. If you're not sure where your heart is, ask your neighbor. I thank you, Father. the Holy Spirit is your love. I thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship. And my prayer for my friends, my prayer for my friends that, that they would get it. That they would get it. In Jesus' name.
losing love has won my heart. I am in all of all you've done. You gave us Jesus and with
with everyone we meet. So we bless you to walk in that love. Not just today, not just for the next half hour, the rest of this week and beyond. Have a great week. And if you live here, see you back here next week. And if you're on the school, see you back here tomorrow. We'll start promptly at 9.30, as you've heard Andy say on every day already. 9.30 is 9.30, and we'll begin. And if you're on the school, remember to pick up your lunch on the way out. Have a great week. God bless you.